0: Good morning. Sorry, I have props. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Um, And uh, Dan did share uh, in the welcome that we're starting a new series today. We're starting a new series today, and it's called When Jesus Asks. When Jesus Asks. Because here's the thing. Um, when we kind of started looking at, at what is it, we, we want to always be Christ-focused. We want to be gospel-centered, and we started looking at, at the gospels and specifically the book of Matthew. And we looked at the book of Matthew, and we found over and over and over again, Jesus was asking questions. He was asking questions, and and the majority of those questions are questions that he was using like as rhetorical questions. That that he was using them as a way of just of just teaching those around him. Sometimes. People who came to him with a question, he responded with a question. And we we found all these questions over and over again that Jesus was asking. And, And as we started to look at them, we started to read them, we started to say, like, these are the same questions that he's asking us. Same questions that he's asking us. Some questions like this, okay? Just a few, maybe like this. There it is, okay. Like, questions like, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Questions like, do you believe that I, be, I, there being Jesus, I am able to do this, as he asks someone. Do you believe that Jesus is able to do it, whatever it is? He says, and then he says, what do you want me to do for you? What a great question from Jesus, right? Like, like I think he's still asking us those questions. I think he's still asking us those questions, and today we're going to begin with with a question that that takes place in in, in Matthew chapter 6. He asks it in Matthew chapter 6. It's surrounded by some other similar questions, but we think it's, it's wrapped up in this question. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Yeah, we're going to jump right into this series and talk about anxiety. Everybody with me? We good for this? Okay. Anybody feel that lately? Um, Anxiety—it's an, an interesting word. It's an interesting idea. Um, it's always been a thing. It's here in the scriptures. Two thousand years ago, Jesus is talking about it. But the word anxiety actually has emerged fairly recently in our language. It's emerged fairly, fairly recently. It first, it first did show up in actually some philosophical discussion, which is where a lot of new words emerge. It showed up in some philosophical discussion. Then as psychology took off, it, showed up, it, it, it took off there. Um, but in the last couple decades, I'm just going to show you this. It's just a visual to see. Um, this is actually, if, you, if you're aware of this, this is a, a tool that's used that actually measures the use of a word in books, in published books. Okay? And this chart goes all the way back to 1800, and you see a spike when anxiety, the word anxious or anxiety first became common in the middle of the 19th century, 1840s, 1850s. There's a spike there, and then it dies off, and you, it's not used very much, but look at that far right-hand side of that chart in the last 20 years, and then the number of times that the word anxiety is being used in, in current uh, publications, okay, in current publications, it's off the charts. It's all the place. We talk about it all the time. We use anxiety just in, in everyday conversation, and, and we, we're using it, everything from like, from like uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm anxious, I'm going to drop the keys, to I'm anxious because there's a diet health diagnosis, right? Like, it's a spectrum. But we started applying this word anxiety or anxious to a lot of different things. We use it a lot. And it got me wondering, if the word wasn't even around, until maybe about 150, maybe 200 years ago, if we weren't really talking about it, using it, people weren't using it until then, like, what, how did, how did the early English translators of the Bible first talk about these passages that we translate as anxious or anxiety today? So I went to, I, this may be an, a live community first, I went to the King James Version, right? The authorized, went to the King James Version, and, and our, our question from Matthew chapter six, which is verse 27, was stated this way, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature, unto his stature. Okay, a lot of a lot of words we don't use much there at all anymore. Okay, but but the word anxious. Before we use the word anxious, they translate it as like who by taking thought, like like taking it, taking thought. There was an idea associated, there is an idea associated with, with what makes us anxious or with what, what, what anxiety is. There's, there's an association with it that we're almost like going out and getting thoughts and bringing them to us. Okay, We'll say more about this. Um, so, but what is anxiety? Well, the American, uh, psycho- uh, uh, American Psychological Association, the APA, we know them, right? If we've ever had to write, you may have had to do APA style, but APA, American Psychological Association says anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. Okay, I felt that, but, but probably no one summed up anxiety better than Barbie. Did you catch this this summer? It's fear with no object. True, that's in the movie, okay? I have seen it. Twice, okay? <laughs> anxiety, it's fear with no object, okay? Not just a silly summer movie. Barbie's here to tell us something, okay? But it's a pretty good definition, right? For the way we think about anxiety. I'm afraid of something, but I'm not even sure what it is. I have fear, but I have a hard time putting my finger on it. I just feel it all the time, but I can't name it. It's fear without an object. It's fear without an object. When we think about it, when when we begin to wrestle with anxiety, there are certain things that we just know have led to a rise in anxiety. We know that these that those that those little devices that we hold in our hands and, and we see our world through them, we know that they're adding to our anxiety. We know that the constant pressure of of emails flowing in and text messages coming at us and 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 I, I I can't keep track of my emails, so this is really important, so I'm going to use GroupMe, and we're going to use group me to notify about that, but, but then I can't keep track of that either, so now I have twist to keep track of if you use that, or slack, or I have like all these different things to keep track of because all the stuff is, is penetrating in on me, all, like I'm, I have all these thoughts that I'm trying to take hold of, right? Anxiety, I, I feel it, I feel it but I think there's even more of a three-dimensional object that will help me describe the anxiety that I feel. This is my backpack. Um, It is unaltered from my daily use. I am a grown man who carries a backpack around. It's fine. It's a cool thing now, right? It's black. It's kind of spacey. It's not. But it is waterproof, just in case the building I'm in you know, it starts raining inside or something, okay? But this is my backpack. Now, um, this thing is, it's, it's substantial, it's heavy, and there's a lot in here, okay? And I'm not going to go through everything in here. Some of these are a little personal. Um, but my backpack, right, has this device in it, okay? It not only adds physical weight, it adds an awful lot of just, like, weight in my life. I need this for everything I do, pretty much. Studying, preparing, just communicating, banking. I need this, and it's there. But not just that, because that's not good enough, I also have one of these, right? Because I have to have a backup for it, or, or I have to have that for some reason. I don't even know why that's there, but it is most, most of the time. I have, I, have um, I started teaching a new class on August 28th, I'll never forget the day. Um, so I have a book to tell me how to teach my class. That's in there. Um, I have score sheets from a golf tournament. They're there, okay? It's, on my, it's in my backpack. I have papers to grade. They're still in there, okay? I have notebooks, okay? Red is for school, blue is for church. because you know our color is blue, our school color is red. it works well. I also have they're not here today. Oh, they are here actually. I also have green ones for other purposes and purple ones, okay? I have an extra pair of socks. I don't know, Okay. I have three books that I'm reading right now, Okay. You don't get to see that. That's for a worst-case scenario. I have lens wipes to clean my glasses, Okay. I've got, wait a minute, there's more, Okay. I've got all my different, I have to have my pencils. These are my pencils. Kids, keep your hands off of them. Highlighters, markers, right? I have a mouse because the trackpad is just its for suckers. Okay. Post-it notes. Oh, it keeps going. You have to charge the, everything. Okay, I think I'm in the bottom there. Almost done. I'm almost done. Okay. But I also have two charging bricks, which is safe to ask because what was missing? No cable. I have no, no cable. Okay, but it's all, the bag is almost empty now. Okay, I've shown you everything I'm going to show you in my backpack. That's just, that's just the stuff that I carry with me all the time, okay? It's the stuff I just carry around. It's kind of ever-present, okay? Now, we're going to look at the rest of this section in Matthew chapter 6, the verses around the question. Who, by, who by being anxious, can live longer or grow bigger? Or, who can do that just by worrying about it? We're going to look at the rest of the passage. So in Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 25 with me, okay? Look at verse 25, the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Okay, now wait a minute. I've got all this stuff that I'm just going to start cramming back in here, okay? it's fine it's thank you gracias (laughs) i've got all this stuff in my bag already okay and then jesus comes along and he reminds me that i'm supposed to be worried about what i wear right people worry about this clearly i do not unless it's socks okay my feet tend to get wet i don't like wet feet okay so now I'm to worry. I'm worried about my, what I wear too. Okay, which I kind of I do a little bit. Okay, but I've got this in my bag. He says like, don't worry about like what you, what your body, what you're gonna wear. Don't don't worry about food. But then I go like, well, gosh, I probably should worry about food. I just grabbed whatever was close by. Okay, so I'm worried about food. <laughs> Baked beans, yeah. Okay, I've got ready rice. Diet Cherry Pepsi. Yeah, if you want to get to my heart. Diet Cherry Pepsi. Uh, I also have to, I I find myself worrying about um, Kroger Big K Diet Cola that somebody left at my house this week. But it's, it's got to go in there. I'm worried about it, okay? I'm also supposed to, I don't worry about this enough, but I'm supposed to take the pills, right? Like, the, the vitamins. It's going in there, okay? Like, all this stuff and it goes in my bag, okay? Like, I'm I'm worried about it. I'm not, I, don't, I worry about some things more than others, but I've got all this stuff that's going in my bag. Okay, my right? It's all, it's all getting shoved in there. So he says, like, don't be anxious about your life. Like, don't, don't keep shoving stuff in your bag. That's not the, that's not the way to do this. Isn't, isn't life more than food and the body more than the clothes you put on? Isn't there more to it than that? So he gives us some examples. Look at what he says. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? we just sang this, right? The bird's not worried about it, and God takes care of them. And here's our verse, and he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? Who lives a bit longer because they got so anxious about it? This is all appointed by God. It's all his. Keep going. And why are you anxious about clothing? Another example. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, he says, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look at these. Look at the beauty of the world that God has created. And he sustains by his power. And he goes... Like not even it's so beautiful. Not even Solomon, and all of his Solomon, the the ancient king of Israel. Not even Solomon could dress as nicely. And he says in verse thirty, "But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? O you of little faith! Therefore, be not, or do not be anxious." saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? This is an important idea for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Catch this. He says, for the, don't, like, don't be anxious about these things. Don't, don't get caught up in all the stuff that goes in the bag and it gets so heavy you can barely lift it. Don't get worried about all that stuff. And then he says this in, in verse 32. He says, the Gentiles seek after all these things. That was code for saying, that's the way of the world. The, the natural thing. The thing that people, if just left to themselves, that's what they do. They worry about all that stuff. They get focused on it. They go about trying to get more of it for themselves. Trying to hold on to what they do have. That's the way the Gentiles go about their business. That's what happens when you start to focus on the kingdom of this world. And thank goodness he doesn't stop there. He gives us one of the most widely read verses in in the New Testament. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he says this. He says, look, it's it's not just like don't do something. He's not simply saying, like, just don't worry about that stuff. Has anybody done that to you? Right? You start, the, the wheels start turning. Your stomach starts to flip upside down about something. You're dwelling on it for a little while, holding it to yourself. And after a little while, you, you share it with somebody. You're like, yeah, this, you know, things aren't, things aren't great at work. I'm worried about the stability of my job. And some, with good intention, right? Somebody goes, well, don't worry about that. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. That's not, I mean, Jesus says, like, don't, don't orient your life that way. But he says also, but it's not just don't do this, it's seek something. Seek something, right? Go this way. Put your value in another place. Pursue something. Rather than just trying to set something aside, put something else in its place. Seek first the, the kingdom of God not the kingdom of this world the kingdom of this world is if you if we just go to sleep in life if we just sleepwalk through life the world is going to tell you what's valuable and what should get your attention it's going to every time you click a link every time that you you turn on a show every time that you pick up a book or magazine or whatever it is that you they're going to tell you what's important the world will tell you what's important it will tell you what you should be anxious about it's All the time, we're just inundated with ideas about what we should or shouldn't be doing, what we should be worried about. That's the way of the world. And Jesus says, but don't seek those things. In order to do that, we have to take significant steps. We have to actually do things in our life that remind us that the way of the world is not the way of true reality. It's why we come together and take communion. What an amazing moment, right? Because what it does is it tells us that the life I experience is not the way things really are. My day-to-day life is the illusion. The life of Christ is the reality. And we need reminded of that all the time. That's seeking first his kingdom. But in order to do that, we have to be here. It's seeking first community together. The world says, no, you've got to, you've got to do this on your own. You've got to make your own way. We, the, the, the scriptures tell us, no, like God has given us one another. We have each other. But only if we do it together. That's seeking first his kingdom. The world says, go get the biggest bank account you can. Spend your money on things that make you happy. God says, no, 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 no. First things first, you need to make sure that your money is placed appropriately, and so you give first. You give first. That's seeking first his kingdom. Whether you've got an enormous bank account or a small one. Right? Seek first his kingdom. And then all this other stuff of the world that we worry about gets added in. It's, 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 it's the stuff that comes later. It's stuff that he's going to take care of for us. And then this section ends with this. He says, therefore, Mother, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Ooh. Right? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today's, today's got enough. Today's got enough to worry with. Why are we spending our time spinning our wheels worried about tomorrow? So I want to I quickly just say a couple things here. Number one. Jesus acknowledges the reality of anxiety. Before we go any further, before we go any further, the, the response or the answer is, anxiety isn't real, just get over it. It isn't just like, push it down, push it aside, it's your problem, you shouldn't. No, no, Jesus acknowledges the reality of anxiety. He acknowledges the, the reality of, of taking thought, like going out there and grabbing things and bringing them in here and making them our own. He acknowledges the reality of it. My anxiety, your anxiety, it's not a fabrication. It's real. But also, he does not accept that there's nothing to be done about it. He doesn't accept the, the notion that, like, this is just the way it is. I'm just going to be anxious. Right? He says, it's real, but it's not all that there is in life. It's real, but it's not all that there is in life. And I think in the passage, he, he says a few things. And I do want to pause here and say, like, listen, on the, on the, when, when it comes to something like anxiety, there's some, some of us who feel it, if, if we use like the, the pain scale, like when you go to the, to the hospital, right? You go to the emergency room and they're like on a scale of 1 to 10 or what is it? And, and you go like, some of us it's like, it's a 2, okay? It's still not good. It's still a thing, but it's different from the person who goes like, I'm at a 9 or a 10, right? And we get there. Even some of us who normally live at 2 or 3, we get to 9 or 10. And acute anxiety does need treatment. Okay, this, I'm not here to deny that, that real, like, there's real condition that it really manifests. like The thoughts we have manifest in our body, and it actually becomes physical symptoms. I'm not, no one's here to deny that. Okay? And when we experience that acute anxiety, we, we need to deal with it. We need to handle it. Okay? But Jesus acknowledges it, but he says it, that it's not like there's nothing that we can do about it. It's not just here to stay. It's not just the way of the world and we better all get used to it because he, say, he says a few things okay the first thing he says is this okay the first thing in this in this section he says is we, we need to do is determine the source of the anxiety determine the source of the anxiety if we go back to the to the very first verse we are verse 26 it actually begins with uh, things earlier than that 24 maybe it begins with like therefore he says therefore don't be anxious well, if there's therefore, there's something outside of this. So if we look back, and I'm going to read this quickly, but verses 19 and, and, uh, through uh, our passage say this don't lay up treasure for yourselves. Treasures, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, he, he says, like Jesus is saying, just before he says the stuff about anxiety, he says, look, don't, don't spend all of your time trying to, trying to load up on stuff in this world where it's just going to rot, it's just going to decay, it's always going to be corrupted. He says, it goes on, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a key line, isn't it? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we need to do a diagnostic, don't we? What is causing my anxiety? what's causing me to feel that fear that i can't put my finger on what's what's producing it in my life am i is, is it about money for many of us that's going to be the case is it about relationship i'm afraid of of being left or not loved is it about position? I'm a, I'm a, I have something, and I, I'm afraid it's going to be taken from me if I don't perform. Is it about health? And I just, I look, at, I look at my family history, and I look at these different patterns, and oh, I just, I see bad things coming. What is it that we're, that, what is it that we're sort of putting on our, our heart on, that we're focusing on, that we're dwelling on? Right, Because my heart is located right next to my treasure. They're right, they're, they're right together. And so when my treasure gets threatened, my heart gets unsettled. When my treasure is threatened, my anxiety level rises. I start to worry. And at first, maybe I can sort of push it aside But then then the threat to my treasure doesn't go away. And I start to look even further down the line. I start to compound consequences of losing this treasure. And the next thing you know, I can't get out of the cycle. I can't get out of the cycle. And as soon as I wake up, I'm thinking about that thing. I get in my car And in those, like, just few seconds of silence before my car connects to whatever noise on my phone I'm trying to pump through the car, I have the unsettled feeling that this is just dreadful. No one's listening to me. I can't get my my point across. And and in the end, it, it might wind up costing me dearly. I worry about it, right? I sit down at my desk. And in those just few minutes it takes for the computer to wake up and start doing its thing, I'm back on it, making notes, trying to trying to work my way out of the fear. But it's real, it's there. I have treasure in my life, and my heart is right next to my treasure. And as my treasure gets threatened, my heart starts to race. A few verses down, Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. He's talking here about money. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve God in money. That's his, the big picture context. If, 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 your, if your anxiety is, is sourced in, in money, this is directly speaking to you in context. But in principle, no matter what our treasure is, if your treasure is, if you're, if, if you're a parent and your treasure is your children and them being a certain thing or achieving certain things or, or reaching a, a level of, of accomplishment or, or them being protected for whatever that's supposed to mean, what happens when, when those things start to unravel is worry, anxiety, right? Right? We start to, the cycle begins and we can't make it stop. So the first thing is we have to determine the source of our anxiety. We've got to determine the source of our anxiety. The second thing is this. We have to know who God says that we are. That with whatever that treasure is, without it, who are we still? Back in the These verses in Matthew 6, look at what what Jesus says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. But look at this second part, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What am I without my treasure? What am I without my treasure? Well, I'm still deeply valued by God. He gives that other example, verse 30. If God closed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not... Much more clothe you. Isn't he do we do we really believe that God loves us and cares about us, that he has our best interest at mind, that without my treasure I'm still valuable. I'm still like just perfectly accepted by him. That my treasure could be gone. But my faith is at risk because do you see that last line in verse 30? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith, which leads to this third thing. The third thing is to trust the God who says he's got it all under control. If it sounds like we're back in the book of Daniel, I'm sorry, but it's the same theme here. We have to trust the God who says that he's got it all under control. The odd thing about our, our Christian faith in, here in the 21st century, this is this is fascinating to me. There are many of us that we will raise our hand and say, I am, I'm with Jesus. He has got my life, and he has saved me for eternity. And we are willing to bank our eternal life on him. And then we, we go out the door, and we think he's not big enough to handle the, the details of our lives. Our faith is strong enough for the afterlife, but we don't have the faith for the present life. We get worked up. We, we've let go of heaven and hell because, he, because the, the sacrifice of Christ has got it and we're going to be with, with him eternally. But in our present sense, in our present tense, we go, no, 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 no. I'm going to hang on to that. I don't trust you, God, to take care of my treasure. So we hang on to it. And Jesus calls us out. He says, that, that is a lack of faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Seek first, but seek first my kingdom. And then all the other stuff. And we get, this, we get this tension. You see, there's the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. This is present in the text. The kingdom of the Gentiles, or the way of the Gentiles, Jesus says, and then, then seek first my kingdom, he says. They're, they're right side by side in this passage. The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And we're not always sure what to do with these things. And so we tend to build, I think as Christians, we tend to build a barrier between them. We build a barrier between them where we say, like, hey, I know I can't bring the things of the world into the kingdom of God, but I also don't want God and his ways to penetrate into the kingdom of my world. Like, I just, a dividing line. And so, God cares about certain issues in my life and not others. He cares about how I pray. Maybe he cares about what, whether or not I give. He, about, he cares about all these, those things, but he doesn't really have anything to say about the way I live my life, the, the things that I actually do, where my, where my time gets absorbed. There's just this tension between those things. But that's not the right way to see it, obviously, right? The fact of the matter is that the kingdom of God is trying to penetrate into the kingdom of the world, and he wants us to bring the cares of the world into his realm. Like, there is no wall between these things. There is no wall between them. Every aspect of my day, every aspect of your day has something to do with my life as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Every bit of it. The energy that I put into doing my job and trying to hold on to my job. The way that I I move into my household with my family. None of it is separate. None of it is just just part of the, the, the world. It's all his. And he's got it. He can handle it. He can take care of it. We we shove all this stuff in our bag and then we try and throw it over our shoulder and carry it, and it's so heavy. Right? It's so heavy. And he's saying, Would you just let some of it go? Just let me take it. Right? Got this. I've got this. don't be anxious about tomorrow. tomorrow's got enough anxiety for itself, enough to worry about tomorrow. We close with just a couple other passages because Jesus said, we just looked at um we, we just we just took the bread and cup of communion together and in Those last hours with his disciples, Jesus said this. He said, "The answer to the way of the world is peace. Like you don't, we don't have to live with all the tension of the world." In John fourteen, he says, "Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You see, like not not chasing after the things of this world. Without all that stuff, he says, I give you peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled." When your treasure is threatened, don't let that trouble you. You can have peace even when your treasure is in trouble. Neither let them be afraid. Paul sums it up this way, both sides of the coin here in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious directly. I think he's quoting the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look, I'm not here to say you can pray away your anxiety, but I am here to say that if you've got anxiety and you're not praying about it, <laughs> you're not using the first tool that God's put in our hands to, to hand it over to him. Right? I think there's more. There's more. I think that it's hard. I don't think that we just snap our fingers and it goes away. But if we are refusing to even talk to God about it, how why would we expect him to take it from us? He's given us channels and paths in which to approach him. Pray and give thanks to him. And Paul goes on, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it doesn't make sense. You have way too much stress and strain in your life to be at peace. You should have nothing but anxiety. Yeah, because the peace of God goes beyond the, the stuff that makes sense. It's not, a, it's not a math equation where one and one equals two. It's, it's where like a thousand and one makes Jesus. It's like, I don't, you know, it's the fancy algebra with all the letters instead of numbers. Right? The peace of God, which Passes surpasses our understanding. It guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. When we're willing to move into, towards God in his kingdom with our hearts, there's hope in, in our anxiety. When we pull back and go, no, i gotta, I got to take care of this. I, I'm going I'm to hold on to this. I'm afraid of what God's going to do if, if I hand this over to him. or I just don't even really believe he cares about my trouble. <laughs> no, the first step is stop and pray. God, I need your help here. I'm trying to do this on my own. I'm chasing after the protection of my own treasure and I need your help. Let's pray together now. God, we, um. We come to you as people with with heavy backpacks. We um, we're pretty loaded up, and the weight is getting to us. And um, and Christ, you you've told us that your your way is easier. It's lighter. And we want to believe you in that, and so we ask that you would um, you'd give us the courage to to stop, to pray, to to move towards you and your people. And Spirit, we trust that that you will provide the peace that God has promised. God, make us um make us aware of your your presence with us. Show us how how you you carry our burdens. And give us the the faith to, to walk with you, to trust you. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this because we believe that you do have it. You've got it. You can carry it. And it's all yours, Jesus.